Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Rotherham United podcast. Today is a special episode where we talked to Rotherham legend Adam LaFondra about his time with the Millers during the days at Don Valley, why he signed, obviously eventually leaving for Reading and the success he had there and everything in between, including the playoffs, playoff games at Aldershot. Uh, my name's Matt, uh, as our regular listeners will know. Mick and Ben, who are normally with us, uh, were there for the interview, but they wouldn't ask any questions, so you may hear Mick laughing at a couple of the answers, um, but for the most part, it is just myself and Alfie having a chat about his time with us. Uh, and we start by just letting him know during the summer lockdown months that we did a greatest love and pull and letting him know that he made it in as our greatest ever striker. No, it's really nice to hear as well as in the best 11 as well, or greatest 11 for the fans or whatever. That's, that's amazing. And hell, it was, it was really good. Um, we, did, we did sort of four options, top two go through, and you were the number one of the four. So, oh, wow. Shows the yeah, honour of the fans. <laughs> yeah, I'm honoured. I really appreciate you doing this. I know you're out in India at the minute, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm just in, obviously, in quarantine at the moment. I've um, got another week left for up and start training. Um, looking forward to the new season starting up. So, you know, just obviously this period at the moment, um, so much uncertainty all over the world. Um, you've got to do the right protocols to, to be ready to play. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to, to getting out of this and, and getting back on the, on the field and train. Yeah. So, for those that don't know about the Indian... Premier League or Super League? Uh, is the is it mid season there? You you coming in for the new season? How's the setup there? Yeah, it's the the new season starts in November. Um, I'm not too sure on the date. I think it's around the 20th, the 21st. The season starts. Um, yeah, obviously we're in pre season now, so obviously at the moment I think everyone's a little bit disrupted with obviously um, what's happening with COVID. Um, I think it's just great that they've they've managed to you know figure out a way to get a season going. Um, I think they should be applauded for that. Their their board and have worked out a way that all the clubs have have come to Goa and you know entered a, a small bubble and mm-hmm. and trying to be as professional as possible as they can to get the season going for the fans and and obviously for the players and and the clubs as well, which is should be applauded for that because obviously you've seen all over the world how devastating COVID can be to to sports in general. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so much time without football, it's been it's a good time to get back at anywhere really. 
Um, yeah, definitely. Obviously, playing Australia as well, that went really, really well for you playing Australia, didn't you? Really scored lots of goals. Yeah, you know, um, I had a great time in Australia. I loved it. Um, for me, going out there was a no-brainer. Obviously, when I left Bolton um, to go out to Australia, people were probably thinking, oh, he's going over there to retire, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that for me. i just seen it as a, a fresh challenge and, you know, more goals to be scored for me. Um, I've always been, you know, very self-assured in, in what I can provide to any team I play for, providing they give me what I need and that's, you know, minutes on the pitch and chances and, and I do the rest sort of thing. And, you know, they provide me ample, obviously, amount because I scored a, a shed load for them and, you know, I had a lot of success, which is, you know, which is hand in hand with my success and their success. It's unreal, really. I, I was lucky enough to win, you know, one Premiers and, and two at A-League Grand Final, so... I had a great time there. Well, yeah, trophies is what you want, isn't it? And uh, you got to win trophies is perfect, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, on to your Miller time at the Millers. I was signed for us in 2009. I'm interested in what, what, you, were, what you were sold about was at the time, because obviously we were at Don Valley. Things weren't looking amazing for us. What was the project that you were sold for us? Well, I, rem I remember going across to the offices. Uh, I think it's... What's the chair... The, Tony Stewart's business is it AEC Lighting or ADC Lighting? AS Lighting, sorry. Yeah, I went to the offices they had there at that site and, and spoke to obviously Mark Robbins. I spoke to him prior, obviously, he was desperate to get me in. And I was speaking to Mark Roberts and Mark Robbins, sorry. And, and obviously, Tony Stewart was there as well when we spoke. And, you know, the dream they showed me of obviously the new stadium, the new training ground, um, that really excited me because it showed me that they had a big ambitions for, you know, obviously a big club they've played at a higher level before. They, they'd not long been in the championship, you know, prior to that as well. So obviously I, that's, that was my aim at that point. I was wanting to move up the leagues. You know, I see myself playing at a higher league and, and playing at a higher level. So I thought I would be a great catalyst for them to help that happen and to be on top on and part of their journey going up would be fantastic. And you know, who doesn't want to play in a brand new stadium and, you know, have, have the top facilities as well. Like, I, that that sort of sold it for me as well. Was Don Valley any part of your decision? Because I can't imagine it was a fun place to play football. It wasn't a fun place to watch. <laughs> not, not particularly, you know. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to slate Don Valley because I scored so many there. But um, obviously for atmosphere and fan experience and playing experience, it wasn't great, you know. Um, to only have like four thousand on one side of the stand or seven thousand or whatever the you know the playoff game against Aldershot, the the side was pretty much full, but the other side of the stadium is empty and you know it's it's quite a, a weird feeling as a footballer really to to play in that sort of surroundings and you know obviously I, I'm I'm sort of knocking Don Valley but that was sort of my stomping ground for a while so you know I I did enjoy playing there because you know it felt like an an inevitable inevitability to, for me scoring there. Yeah, it felt like those going as well. We just turn up and Alf, Alfie's going to score at least one for us this week. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the pitch at Don Valley, there were a lot of people asking us to ask you, the pitch itself at times was horrendous. How yeah. difficult did that make your job trying to score them goals? Uh, definitely after you... After, when I first joined and we played Rochdale, didn't we, and I scored that game and there was a, there was a concert just before it. And there was, there was still before the game when we were walking out on the pitch. Obviously, you could tell the noticeable difference between the dead grass and obviously the the alive grass. Because one was green, one was yellow. Um, it was just a nightmare, really. You know, um, 
to play on. And obviously, as it got later on to November, December time, you could really see that there was pretty much no grass there. And obviously, there's no sign of it growing. So we were playing on, we we're sort of hoping to play in, in the good part and the second half of the game so we can sort of stay in the game to create chances then. And, you know, obviously in the first part of the game, not to lose it with, you know, the, the poor surface that was there at the time. But, yeah, I think we coped with it quite well, you know, especially um, the first season we did. We, obviously, that's when it was. We, we did really well. Um, obviously, we should have got promoted automatically as well, which is a shame, really. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, back to when you first signed, so obviously, like you said, we talked to Rob, Mark Robbins about signing and, and then a month or so later, he ended up going to Barnsley. Was that sort of a <laughs> yeah. disappointment? Or did it just the part of football change your mind? How much of a disappointment was that he went? Yeah, of course. You know, he was a, a major factor of me, recruiting me as well. You know, an ex-United striker who I thought I could learn off and improve my game to take me to that next level. Um, you know, and after I think it was seven games, he was gone. And I was like, I, ra- I actually rang him and said, what's happening? Like, cause obviously it was on like gardening leave at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what's happening? And he was like, I'm, I think I'm gone here. I think they're going to get rid of me because of it. And obviously that was disheartening for me as, as a, you know, a, num- a number nine, but obviously a 39 at the time coming in, wanting to play for Mark Robbins, his grand vision. We started so well as well. I, was, I think I was six for six or, some, around that, I think I was something like that for goals as well. And I was thinking, you know, we've started great. Like, let's keep it going. And, you know, obviously he's obviously moves on to, I won't say that much of a bigger club, but a bigger challenge, would yeah. you say, in a, in, a, in a division higher or I think they might be in the championship at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of disheartening for me because obviously I got sold on him coming in and, you know, working with him and, and his staff. And then it was gone, pulled the rug from under my feet after, you know, seven games, like I say. And, it just wasn't ideal, but as a footballer, you accept that because you know you have to accept what's going to happen. Because you know, any moment in time, a manager gets sacked or a manager goes to another challenge. That's part of football. That's like I say, that's part and parcel of football. Yeah, no, I think a lot of fans felt sort of similar that we were. You know, we had a good, pretty good season the season before with the minus seventeen. Robin's a built a good team, and then you coming in was sort of a little bit of icing on the cake. And then obviously included local rivals. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's a bit sour, I guess. Just a bit. Uh, then Ronnie Moore came in, Rodham legend Ronnie Moore. Um, I imagine they're very different, Mark Robbins and Ronnie Moore. Ronnie Moore is very old school from what, I, from what I've heard. Still, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Just like you say, yeah. He, you know, obviously Ronnie knew the game inside and out as well. Um, obviously, he's had a lot of success with Rotherham before as a player and as a manager. So he obviously knew you know, football inside and out and, and how to get out of that league and, and navigate that league. Um, we probably went a little bit more direct under Ronnie, but, you know, that still suited my game. Anyway, we had Popey, who I thought was arguably the best target man in the league as well. And I love playing with Popey. Um, I thought we had a great relationship on and off the field. And, you know, he seemed to bring the best out of both of us, really. I was going to ask about Tom Pope, because he is not well liked by Rodham fans. And it's your relationship between you, you could see work played well together and obviously off field, you see on Twitter now you still message each other and things like that. It's really odd that sometimes people don't taste, we didn't score many goals, which obviously didn't help, but it was so important to the way you played. Is there any reason you think why you just, just didn't quite connect with the fans? Um, yeah, I think when you, you pay money for a striker, you ought to see him scoring. I think obviously, you know, I think Popey got branded as like the record signing and stuff like that at the time and I think that gives you added pressure to produce, obviously, goals. And 
you know, obviously I was scoring goals, but he was a massive factor for that for me. And, you know, I loved playing at front with Popey. I think we had a great relationship, like on the pitch. Mm. Although he doesn't look like it, he's a very clever footballer. And um, we had a great relationship in that aspect where I knew what he was going to do and he knew what I was going to do perfectly. And uh, albeit that he didn't score all the goals, we still had a very fruitful partnership. And go, yeah, we've, we've scored 35 between us um, mm. the season after. And obviously... I scored the 30, he scored the five, but I didn't care how it, how it was carved up. It was, you know, as a partnership, we worked really well as a, as a tandem. Yeah, you put, and obviously, um, I remember at the time, Kevin Ellison was a strong part of that attacking lineup as well. It was important, right? He was another one. We always seem to, whenever we play against Kevin Ellison, he always scores against us every single time. Yeah, to be fair to Kev, um, he, was, he was outstanding for us down the left. You know, obviously, Lawsy as well, he was a big creator for us. Um, we had a really good team for that level at that time as well. We just I prob- probably underachieved in what we what we set out to do. We should have got promoted. Um, we spent all season in the top three to fall out toward, just towards the end of the season. Um, and having people like Kev who, who could whip a ball in and put it for me perfectly um, on a plate for me for me to take advantage of that was was great. And um, you know we he chipped, like you say he chipped in with goals as well. That's what you want your wingers doing. Um, I think, if anything, that was Lawsy's downside, was that he was a fantastic player and, and set up a lot, but he didn't score enough for someone of his, his ability as well, which, you know, I love Lawsy as well as a player because he was, he was fantastic too. Yeah, well, yeah, the front, top, front four were, were very, very good. At the time we were in League Two, it's certainly probably the best front four we had. Even when we ended up getting promoted, man for man, that front four were probably the best we had at that yeah. level. And like I said, at this point, we didn't go up. Like I said, so... When we were obviously top three for most of the season, we were looking really, really good. And then to drop down and to playoffs, I think we ended up finishing about nine points of automatic promotion. It was sort of quite a bad end to the season before the playoffs. How does that affect your mindset going into a playoff? It must be sort of starting again. How difficult is that? Um, to be fair, I, I always thought we had a great squad to, to go up either way. You know, if I just felt like if we didn't make the top three, then you know, let's do it by the playoffs. And that's the, obviously that's the, the best way to go up, but it's also the worst way to lose. You know, I've, I dealt with that twice. So, um, obviously on the day against Dagenham, we weren't good enough. Um, me as well, uh, you know, they seem to have a game plan for me and it obviously worked. You know, I was probably, um, I don't know, probably just, maybe not not overawed by the occasion, but probably just taken out of the occasion by, you know, their tactics and, yeah. You know, obviously it freed up Tailsy to, to play a great game, but you know, for me, I, I didn't really impact that game, which is, is something I'll look back on and think, you know, I could have been the difference in that game, which, you know, in the games against Dagenham, I had been the difference in the league. I think I scored against them in both games when we, when we beat them at, at home and away. So, obviously, they, they've done their due diligence and, and worked out a way to try and stop me. And it worked on the day, which was, you know, crap for me, really, because obviously I wanted to be the hero. Yeah, no, probably good. I'm watching the game. We were always sort of chasing the game. They sort of always had a little bit on us in all, all game in the final, and we just couldn't yeah. quite find. Obviously, Taylor getting two goals were, were outstanding. Uh, but like I so said, they clearly had a plan, and it clearly, unfortunately for us, for us all, worked. Um, so, at this point into the season, but 30 goals in all competition, that doesn't happen very often. How proud were you to get that, that record that season? Yeah, you know, actually, funny enough, when I first joined Rotherham, I told Mark Robbins, I said, what was your record for goals in a season? I think he said 26 mm. for, um, for Rotherham. And I said, I'll beat that. 
I said to him, I'll beat that this season. And he was like, yeah, 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 we'll talk, we'll talk about that later in the season. I said, no, I'm going to beat it this season. Like, you'll see. Mm. Um, and for me, that was just, that's just no, like, that was just normal for me. I expected to score that many goals. I was full of confidence. Uh, still am now. You know, if, if I put in a season and I play 46 games in a season, if I don't hit 20 goals that season, I'd be very disappointed. Uh, you know, that's just the sort of player I am. And, and I always have been. I've always been sort of cocky, borderline arrogant because I've always felt I could back that up and predominantly I've proved that I can as well. Yeah, well, I think I was keeping a striker at a different position, a different mindset, but for a striker, it's about being ruthless and trying to be yeah, there and get the goals. It's literally your job, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think if one thing I'd like to describe myself, it would be ruthless. I think if you know, most fans who, who've watched me play or players who've played with me would say the same, you know, if you, if I get a chance, nine times out of ten, I tend to score. So, mm. you know, it's nice to have, you know, that sort of side to me. Yeah. Talking about the different goals you scored, uh, so it's reading in through your favourite Miller's goal was the overhead kick against Lincoln, is that right? Or is there other one that... The one before it. I actually scored two of the best goals I've ever scored for Rotherham in the same game. When, when Popey clears the corner and... I sort of get it on the halfway line, dust two players and then slam it firing in. Mm. Um, it was the best goal I think I scored for Rotherham. I always loved the the older shot in the, in the first playoff leg. Yeah. Just because I'd literally not kicked the ball all game. And I just, just obviously by instinct, just sniffed that there's a chance coming. You know, if he plays a bad back pass, I'm in. And, you know, lucky enough, he's played a bad back pass. I slotted it and I'm, you know, celebrating with the fans in the corner. And you know, in the 90th minute, and we're going back to obviously the Don Valley, and we're buzzing. Do you know what I mean? And, and we've got a big advantage, really. Yeah, no, I remember those two Lincoln goals, particularly that game, were just two amazing goals in one game. I'd be a fan, you just like, can't believe this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I mean, I missed the hat trick as well, being too cocky because I missed the pen in about the 80th minute. I remember the keeper was pointing at which corner he was going to dive, and I went, "No, mate, I'm putting the ball in the opposite corner." And put it in that corner, but hit the post and went wide. I was fuming with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Giving away a hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> but they, the season after, I think it was the following season, the Cheltenham game, the 6-4, you got your hat trick. That was yeah. one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Do you know what I mean? I imagine it was the craziest you've played in. Uh, for goals-wise, I'd probably say, yeah, yeah. Uh, Obviously, there was that game, and then when we played in the court, but I, I didn't actually get on actually in that game, so I didn't play in it. Um, yeah, I'd probably say for goals, that's probably the most highest scoring game I've been involved in. Um, and obviously, to impact it like I did with four goals was, was special, really. You know, um, we seemed to be able to that, that was the good thing about us, we could cut open teams at will at some at, like, at large parts of seasons, but. When it comes to you know some some points in the season, it seemed like the ball just won't go in for us, and it was always seemed to be the crucial times when when that was happening. Yeah, on goals, just talk about best goals. Then I seem to remember a goal disallowed, which was one of the best goals I've ever seen live that never happened. We had Stockport with basically the halfway line. Yeah, I've watched that a few times. To be fair, I can't believe I can't. I still can't see where the foul is. Me neither. <laughs> I don't normally kick it from that far out either, so, you know what I mean? That would have been a great collector's item. No, so, so ref never did tell you what, what it was about, there's no idea what it was for. Well, it, no, it definitely weren't offside. All I did was jump for an header with him. He's misheaded it, and then I volleyed it. Yeah. So, I was obviously dumbfounded, as you can imagine. Mm. <laughs> your yeah. guess is as good as mine. 
<laughs> Crime against football disallowing that. They were amazing. <laughs> uh, the second season started off quite well. We had a good start to the season, but it tailed off after Christmas. Yeah. Well, did, and obviously, it ended, ended with a 5 0 loss at Chesterfield, which was an incredible low moment for all Rotherham fans. Live on telly to yeah, your rivals. It was, it was weird, really. You know, we started great. Um, I was scoring goals freely. Um, we looked great going forward again. And, you know, we looked as if we were shooing again for promotion. And I don't know what happened. Just turn of the year after, I think it was maybe January, January, February, we just seemed to hit a. You know, a bit of a rocky patch, um, and it, we just never really recovered properly to get any consistency. I think it's it's quite hard to say. Obviously, League Two is a demanding league, and you know, at, at that time, without making excuses, we just obviously weren't good enough in games to beat teams. We we'd um, you know we could five nil someone, but we we could also get beat three nil at home as well. So, you know, we that was the problem of of being a team that's trying to get promoted. You don't have them results. You either win. You know, two nil, three nil, two one, or you just don't lose. You're trying to, especially the home games. I think we threw away a lot of points mm. um, at home that season, and and you know it's a recipe for disaster, really. Yeah, no, yeah, just the inconsistency of that season was the cost us. Uh, again, we had again a, almost the same team, and we was it was a chance to push on, which unfortunately didn't happen. Uh, Ronnie unfortunately got the sack after the after the Chesterfield game. Um, then you got uh, Paul Warren was caretaker manager briefly. How was that? I mean, Warney is a uh, joint caretaker. Yeah, it's good. He was always, you know, around the lads anyway, being the fitness mm. coach. Um, he had a good football mind. He just wanted you to work hard and enjoy football. And, you know, that was a breath of fresh air for me. Mm. Obviously, there's nothing really changed for me. I just wanted to play. That's been my MO since I was about five years old. All I've wanted to do is play football. So, it didn't really change anything for me. Maybe for a few of the other lads, it gave them, you know, a new lease of life if they weren't playing and stuff like that, and and you know, took a bit of pressure off them. But I think for everyone, um, you could see Warney was going to be a manager, you know, in the long run. Anyway, I was going to ask you, did you see? Because Warney's always talk, sort of talked himself down a little bit about it. He never really saw himself as manager, more of a fitness coach or a coach. But you say you're not surprised he's gone in to end up being a full-time manager himself. Yeah, definitely. I think um, as soon as he took that role, you could see he had the capacity to go on further and you know take the the reins himself. Um, I think obviously he he was still obviously the fitness coach at the time, and it's hard to obviously he was sort of player fitness coach as well. So it's hard to you know create that division between the players and and himself when he's obviously still in the playing camp, but obviously still on the fitness coach side as well. So. You know, I think it was hard for him at that time, but I think you, you give yourself a year away from it properly, away from the dressing room, not as a player, mm. then he, he creates that you know division between the players and himself for him to go back into it later on. And you know he's been a massive, massive success watching from the outside. Uh, you know you can see his love for the game and he's imprinted it all over Rotherham. Yeah, no, absolutely. We we, we absolutely love him. Probably playing time as well, but he's just brought this new culture to the club, which we absolutely love at the minute. Uh, we've gone to questions from, we've got a few questions from Twitter and Facebook a lot of people want to ask did you ever come close to coming back to Rotherham I, I had stories that you were close a couple of times uh, I, I, I spoke to Warney semi-regularly when he got the gig um, when I had a bad time at well not a bad time when I just weren't playing at Wigan hmm. and I was playing like on the wing and stuff just before I went back to Bolton I was said to Warney I said do you fancy it like I, I just want to play games 
um, do you want to fancy me coming in on loan? And he was like, yeah, I'd love to have you in on loan. Let me see what, you know, obviously the recruitment board says and stuff like that. Um, I said, yeah, I said, it's no, I said, no biggie if you don't or not or whatever. I, obviously, I'd love to come back, but, you know, it's either you or Bolton I'm going to go to. So, you know, it's up to you, really. Do you know what I mean? It's, you make your mind up. If, if you want me, then great. If you don't, then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you. It's football. He was like, yeah, obviously, I will, we'll look into it. I'd love to have you. Just let me get back to him. Obviously, nothing really eventuated. Bolton, you know, really came into the, into the fray a little bit more. And, and that's why I ended up going back to Bolton. Uh, I didn't really have another chance to go really bother him after that. Um, There's always whiffs of like, yeah, maybe. I'd, I'd speak to Warney now and then. But uh, I don't think it really got serious enough for me to come back. Um, albeit it would have been nice, you know. When I came back with Wolves, um, I got an amazing reception. It really touched me. Um, um, how, you know, the odd, literally to play in the New York Stadium was, was great. You know, the, all the fans chanting, chanting Alfie, um, you know, really like, made me remember all the great times I had there and, you know, appreciate the fans a whole lot more than you could appreciate them at, you know, at Don Valley, obviously, because, you know, you're at a stadium where you feel like you're playing football. You feel like you're in a proper ground with a proper, you know, set up sort of thing whereas Don Valley you know you, it was like people watching a game you know what I mean from afar um, and there it just it grew my appreciation way more and you know the love for them more um, you know and I can't thank them enough for that you know reception really Yeah no, we, we've, we've talked about before about the fact that it's a shame that you played for us at Don Valley because if you'd played for us at Millmore or New York in, in a proper stadium it would have just been electric all the time that's um, Yeah of course that's football, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Unfortunately, that is football, like you say. You know, uh, you can't pick and choose the moments. But, you know, I've, spared, I've shared some special moments at the Don Valley. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, it is what it is. But, that, like you say, it's football, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, the end came for us, uh, the August 2011. Um, you left us for Reading. Another yeah. question I asked from Facebook and Twitter is, did you, there were rumours at the time you were close to signing for Wednesday. Please tell me that never got close. <laughs> uh, right, funny enough with that, Wednesday were the only team who I ever knew put a bid in. Right. And they were way below asking price. When when I'd spoke to like Paul Douglas and stuff like that, um, and Gary Megson, I think it was Gary Megson, one of the manager at the time rang me and he wanted me to play some dirty tricks and, you know, say I won't play and stuff like that. Um, but that wasn't me. For me, I... Football does the talking at the end of the day. Um, and if you want to take if you want to take me away from the club, you have to find that agreement with the club to do that. And obviously they didn't. They didn't come up with the goods, and that's obviously why I went to Reading because they paid the asking price at the time, and, and I went to Reading, and, and the rest is history. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised Wednesday dirty tricks. That's what they like. <laughs> well, that, that's just that happens everywhere in football, though. So it's not just obviously Wednesday, but I'm just saying that. Yeah. That's just sort of uh, what happened with them. To be well, fair, yeah. I don't think they like me much anyway. Leaving a club is important, to, particularly when you've had a good time, to live on good terms. The last thing you want to do is sour it by refusing <laughs> to play and things like that. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the major reasons as well. You know, I've had two highly successful seasons at, at, at Rotherham. Why, why would I throw that away to, to be the villain? I didn't, didn't feel I needed to do that to, to get a move because... You know, I'd scored a shed load of goals. So why would I do that? Why would I 
you know, throw it all the way for the sake of a transfer that might not happen. So, um, you know, that, that's how I seen it anyway as a player. Yeah. No, I think it, to be honest, it's much bigger by most fans because we sort of understood we didn't like it because you had to leave us. But we understood yeah. that it's not probably out, outgrown us because we'd failed to get promoted two seasons in a row. It's time to move on. And certainly nobody begrudges a move to the Championship, which, Drew to Reading, did that go as well as you could possibly have dreamed? Yeah, definitely. You know, it was uh, it's like a seamless sort of walking. Uh, I remember going in, meeting the manager, and he's uh, on the drive down. He was going, you know, we've lost Shane Long. What number do you want? And my agent prior was like, you need to be strong with him here and tell him you want nine. So I was like, I want nine. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, I'm ready for the challenge of being number nine. Yeah. Obviously, I've gone in there and started quite a few games but it's, it was a, for me the adjustment to the championship was really hard right. from obviously league two to the championship because of the quality difference and you know the intensity of plays a lot different as well so for me that the, the initial period was quite hard adjusting to their football and and getting myself up to their speed really mm-hmm. um but once I did obviously we we found a way of playing and, and getting results and you know we worked out that I can score goals coming off the bench as well as starting. So um, I was I was buzzing with the first season. It, it, like like you said, it couldn't have gone you know any better for me getting to the Premiership in the first try after being in the in League Two, starting out in League Two at the start of that season was you know something I could only dream of. Yeah, uh, and then obviously Premier League um, it didn't, didn't this start at the beginning? I think you got, uh, we've tried to look to come find it. Is it the record for the most goals as a substitute in a season or something like that? Yeah, I think I still hold that at the minute. I think a few have been close to, to levelling it or, or beating that, yeah. I managed to break a record um, there, but, you know, that sort of thing, I guess, doesn't really matter because I failed in, in the grand scheme of things of not keeping, you know, reading up in, in the Premier League and, and only having one season in the Prem with them was, you know, disappointing really considering, obviously, I had a good personal season, but it, it mattered nothing because, you know, overall, we didn't stay up which is you know, the, the main goal of, of any sort of team st- starting out in the Prem. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we really had a lot of Rodham supporters supporting Reading that season in the Premier League, our team for the season. We all wanted you to do too well and try and stay up. Um, again, yeah, definitely. I felt like that on, on Twitter as well. I had a lot of love on Twitter. You know, I still get a lot of love now from you know, some previous clubs and you know, Rotherham, Bolton and Reading are always you know, right up there in my mentions with... You know, love come back home, King, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, and it's you know it's nice to look at and, and see them things that I've made a good impression at them clubs because, you know, I think as a player you take away obviously your achievements as a player. You know, you want you want to have left. I wouldn't say a legacy because I'm not a, like that sort of thing, but I, you like to have left a good good impression of yourself in in the clubs you've played that, and I think I've done that at the majority of clubs. You know, I, I've always said goals as a, as a striker, goals and day to fans and. You know, I've managed to do that, uh, score some crucial goals for, for clubs I've paid for, which has helped me have that interaction with the fans as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think for me, good to me, football is once you're successful, the football fans remember it forever. It's just this little group and every, every look yeah. <laughs> done well. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Uh, a couple questions on Facebook and Twitter again. When you were in the Premier League scoring them goals, did an England call-up ever get close? Because again, some people thinking you were... Did you ever, did it ever get mentioned? Did you ever think about it? Uh, just after, obviously, I thought about it. obviously when I was having the, the the month in January, there was a there was a training camp. Not long after that, and I think 
someone pulled out, maybe Defoe pulled out. And I think uh, Brian McDermott at Reading had spoken to Hodgson's assistant about, you know, possibly calling me up for it. And they were like, they were monitoring me for obviously the the rest of the season and stuff like that. But unfortunately for me, I couldn't keep that form up. And you know, us as a team sort of after February, I think we started to take a turn in the bad results. And, you know, that sort of whispers sort of went away. And, you know, it's even to be even mentioned with that, with an England call, it was something for me I couldn't even dream of and even think of as a player, you know, 18 months prior when, you know, I'm rocking up at Don Valley, you know, against Cheltenham or against Barnet at home, I think it was my last game before I left, you know, to fast forward 18 months onto that, I wouldn't have even envisaged me going, yeah, you're going to get player of the month in the Prem. Yeah, you can have a talk about playing for England or the manager spoke to someone at England, blah, blah, blah. I, I couldn't have even dreamed of that, so... You know, for me, I, I cherish the moments. I don't really live with regret or anything like that. So, you know, I'm just buzzing with the journey I've had. Yeah. No, I think that's the best way, best way to to do it. Um, I think that's all the questions I have. Mick, Ben, have you got anything you want to ask? You've covered everything. I mean, it's been fantastic to listen. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, yeah, thank you for doing this. Uh, I should really, really appreciate it. Fans, I think fans will really, really appreciate this. Um, no, I'm... I'm buzzing to give something back. I've not, I've not managed to speak about Rotherham, no, no podcast or anything like that. So this will be the first one I've done. So, you know, like I say, I'm really happy to, to obviously talk about Rotherham and my time there. I had a great time there, and you know, I had great success personally, I guess, but not you know as a team because I ultimately didn't, we didn't um, achieve what my goal was there and, and get promoted, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. No, that would be big, big, big shame, and we all all butter for that. <laughs> and uh, cheers, cheers for doing this, Alfie. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot, guys. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you really enjoyed uh, listening to the interview as much as we enjoyed being part of it. Uh, obviously, special thanks to Alfie for doing that and getting involved and uh, letting us ask us those questions. Uh, if you're a regular, so thank you very much, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you're new to this, give us a subscribe um, wherever you're getting this from, as iTunes, Spotify, wherever that may be. Follow us on Twitter, IFC underscore pod, and we'll have a podcast on Facebook if you're on there as well. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, and we'll see you all again soon. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.